Stories of the Street. I'm Sachi. I'm Kelly. As we meet new people and discover new places around the world, we encounter countless stories that we feel need to be told. This is one of these stories. One concept. <laughs> what, doing a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can't believe we're finally doing this. Kelly's really excited. Yeah, I know. It'll be fun. <laughs> Let's go. But you've also always wanted to do a podcast. I have always wanted to do a podcast. And, yeah. I saw a funny Instagram story today, actually, that was like this girl brought up, just being like, like, I know this virus is difficult for everyone, and like, you're going to be staying inside, but please, please, do not at any point be tempted to start a podcast. Like, <laughs> straight men under the age of 35 are particularly at risk. <laughs> so funny. Um, so I start off by introducing myself. Okay, ready? Yeah. Yeah, ready. <laughs> go okay, so for I just it. go. Hi, I'm Paddy. <laughs> I'm Sarah Jean Kelly's roommate. I'm 22. I sound like I'm on like blind date or something. I'm 22. <laughs> I'm from London, England, United Kingdom. Not Ontario. Not Ontario. London, not Ontario. And I have been living with the stories of the streets, crude them. Since the first of September, and now our beautiful little homestead has been torn apart <laughs> by the brutal, <laughs> invisible evil of COVID 19, <laughs> the novel coronavirus. <laughs> and is that enough? Well, yeah, we're in isolation, self isolation right now. It's our fifth day indoors together. <laughs> With our roommate Eloise as well. It looks like slightly insane. And Kelly's leaving tomorrow. Eloise too. Paddy probably this week. Paddy's doing something where he's booking flights and then cancelling within 24 hours and rebooking. So every every day day he books a new (laughs) flight. I don't know. Um, But he's kind of ready to go at any moment. Ready to go at any moment. Need to get my bags packed, get mobile. I want to be able to get to the airport in six. I want, I want to be able to be ready to leave an air like the flight with like six hours to go at any point six okay. hours to go until I need to leave if that mm-hmm. makes sense your track record isn't good my track record's bad last time you had to go for a flight <laughs> from here <laughs> I think three hours before you jokingly said that you didn't know where your passport was without really having looked <laughs> two and then we hours kind of started looking before the flight <laughs> And then it was panic, I would say. This was when you were going home for Christmas. This is when I was going home for Christmas. Sachi's on the phone to Air Canada. I'm on the phone to the Irish Embassy. Probably didn't help as well that this was passport numero quattro in (laughs) six years, I think. Which you didn't really tell us. You tried to tell us subtly, but... Yeah, well, I think the weird thing about when I lost the passport was that I kind of new because I, I have somewhere in my room that I keep this is so dry I have somewhere in my room where I keep all my documents and like as soon as I looked and it wasn't there I knew like I, I knew I was like okay well that's like 99% chance <laughs> I've, I've like completely fucked it yeah but the thing was I just knew that that like to other people can be like really stressful so I kind of tried to play it down the whole apartment because I found <laughs> then it just like inevitably became really stressful and then we got worked up into this great whirlwind of stress and <laughs> Sarchi managed to cool. No, so I called the, <laughs> I googled Air Canada and then I called the number. You know how sometimes when you, like the first thing that comes up on Google is just the number. The number and 
a headline, so I just pressed on that, and then, and it looked like a correct number, it was 800 or 877, and then... All the correct numbers begin with 800 or 877. <laughs> <laughs> but then, well, it seemed plausible, it wasn't... Yeah. Just no, well, it was, number. and it was the correct number. But, but then switched. I noticed it switched. <laughs> but I didn't about. really think about it because we were. It was like hour three looking for the passport, and you like you're, Penny was you're about, about to miss, miss your flight, flight. and yeah. we'd been looking everywhere. Yeah, trying did, to figure something out. We literally turned the apartment upside down. Well, not we didn't literally turn the apartment upside down. We figuratively turned the apartment upside down looking for it. Yeah, and to no avail. So we got caught in this. What do they call it? Fishing? Yeah, I mean, I Scandal. there were so many red flags. <laughs> I think what that in taught hindsight. me is that anyone can be scammed. No, well, we shouldn't yeah, have because, been scammed. But, like, but just in on, hindsight, there were so many red flags. If you add enough pressure, because we were panicking. Yeah. I mean, we were panicking. My head was rushing. <laughs> it felt like <laughs> it was so dumb. Yeah, like if you say... if you just say the story now, it's like obvious. Yeah, so obvious. So this man on the phone, who well, basically, the, the, you, I re- I rang them, and someone picked up right away, which is. Like, I've called Air Canada probably a hundred times, and that never happens. You always have to hear the music, and then you have to press, like... Go through so many menu for options. English or whatever. But Air Canada, they get, rather than employing someone to do the initial call options, they have the, like, the director of customer support is, like, has, like, recorded this message yeah. for you. It's like, bonjour, they're out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's very distinct, <laughs> but when we called this time... For some reason, someone picked up right away. Straight through the, to James. And I basically just explained the situation like my friend... You were friend... like, how convenient, how great. The one time I really did some assistance. And it just rings, no introduction. James picks up. Excellent. Just like, hi, I'm James. And then... But he did say... Like, it was a legit scam. He, was, he said, was this is Air ca- Canada. Um, how can I help you? Yeah. Travel. A very interestingly named company. They called themselves Travel Desk, which is obviously just sounds like it could be the depart, like a department within a company rather than a company in and of itself. So this is Air Canada Travel That's true. Travel Desk. True. Yeah. You know, pretty smart. And then when you get even when we got the email, it wasn't complete. You know, it wasn't like okay. cheapflightsforyou.com. <laughs> but instead of providing well, all the information on Petty's booking, he asked for all the information on <laughs> Petty's booking. Well, I was, I just said really quickly, like, my friend doesn't have his passport, is there any way he can travel, and you kind of write a note in the booking that he doesn't have his passport, but you've certified his identity, or he travels on his passport card, or if there's some sort of exception, and James just says, yes, no problem, and then he was <laughs> passport card I'll quickly interject is something you get given um, if you live in a country that's within well I mean maybe non-EU countries have it but it's if you live within a European Union country it's basically a card that looks sort of like a driver's license with a hologram on it and it allows you to travel within Europe without your passport which is everyone knows everyone knows and I knew full well that that was the thing it wasn't like (laughs) you know only in the EU I knew that completely yeah it was was, really alongside this phone call you couldn't have challenged that knowledge yeah but it was just unbelievable that it would be possible. So well, I think we were expecting to change the flight, right? But James just came with the divine answer that Patty can fly on the passport card. Right. And we believed him. So anyway, we all sort of look at each other very panicky around the table. 
and James puts us on hold for a minute while he, with all the information but we've I, given him from the book. An important thing is that I'm the one initially on the call, and they don't know what has happened. They didn't know that James picked up right away. <laughs> they didn't know that right. there was no intro. The I think one of the ways that like one of our downfalls was that we kept passing the phones around like Kelly was talking to the Irish embassy person when James said Laura yeah when James said it would be possible for Patty to fly I was like hang up with Laura she's not helpful at all like Mm. Patty was in his room trying to find the passport and pack his stuff right now that we've named Laura I've just realized I'm not sure if we can say how I actually got home because I, I swore I swore secrecy to Laura. Right, but but okay. we can beep out Laura. I'm just going to keep saying Laura because that could be really annoying if you to edit. Well, you have to beep out all of these Lauras. That part. We don't have to explain that. Part. Oh no, we'll explain I'm that not part. editing this podcast. Okay, fair enough. On we go. So all of this is okay. on the air. It's a real cliffhanger in that case. This podcast can be like a cliffhanger, and then if you ever want to call me or if you meet you meet me in person, I can take the rest of the story. That's kind of exciting. It's like a little bonus bit of content that you can yeah. only unlock by <laughs> meeting me in wow. person. There you go. Um. So, I hand the phone to Patty because it was going to be possible, and all they needed to do was pay for James <laughs> to reissue a ticket. Mm. Which, Next red flag. Why would you pay to right. change it or to change the identity card information on a booking? Mm. And Very he, strange. Yeah, you would just need to put in a note. Yeah. I mean, it's not possible, but if it were right. possible, you would just need to put in a note. If, in theory, this were a possibility, <laughs> that's how they'd go about doing it. And, and do you know what was very nice about James is that he offered us this miraculous service <laughs> for the really quite competitive price of just 743 <laughs> Canadian dollars but he with... told me before I handed you the phone that it was going to be 630 dollars yeah and then I took the phone back from Patty once I heard the new price and I was like what why did it just jump a hundred dollars he's like oh fluctuations <laughs> that's all he said and I was like okay that makes yeah. sense and I handed like it back somehow but what would fluctuate somehow the, yeah exactly your the, name the, the price the price of <laughs> The price is somehow like this very sort of liquid, active market. There's a very active market in um, right. in name changes or identity card changes. So, you know, James has got all the charts up in front of him, and it's just moving rapido. The price has changed a hundred dollars in thirty seconds. In thirty seconds. Yeah. And we just thought James was some sort of information trader. I don't know. We put our full faith in that man. Oh, I mean, if I look back on it now, it was almost like it would be an ad for not getting scammed, and then you'd go, oh, that's a shit ad. It's, that's too unrealistic. No one would fall for that. And we were that panicky. I was constantly apologizing to him <coughs> yeah, for yeah, like yeah. having a lag and pulling up your password yeah. yeah. information. And then... The I remember I got a little bit scared because James, I, we handed James, oh yeah, and I didn't have enough money, so I borrowed <laughs> Kelly's credit card to pay for this, because that just seemed like the logical thing to do, borrow money in this, <laughs> this strange, sort of disorientating experience with James. And, and that I, will have proved to be pro- problematic later in the story. Yeah, that comes up Very again. Very annoying. Very annoying. Vive la France. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
But and then I got a little bit worried because once we paid using credit Caddy's credit card, giving Caddy's credit card details to somebody over the phone, <laughs> um, I looked at my email and James said he'd emailed it to me. Oh my god! And I thought, oh no, it's not my email. I said, oh James, you send it again. <laughs> And then while he was kind of like responding, sort of being like, oh, it should have come through. I just thought, oh, I'll just check. Oh, and then I went, oh, I'm sorry, James. I apologized to him. I said, I'm sorry, James. It was in my junk. <laughs> it was in my junk folder. And I apologized to him for the fact that his email had landed in my junk. Like, I'm just, it was sort of offensive. There's, it was nothing like what you would expect. Like no, there were no, spelling no. mistakes. Yeah. There were three different fonts. It just it didn't have like the air tag or the logo. It was signed James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the air candle logo was nowhere. It was featured nowhere on this email. <laughs> then James said, Can you just reply? Uh, can you just reply to this? You know, normally you'd get a booking confirmation, it would be no reply at Air Candle or something. This was info at traveldesk.org or something. I don't know. James went, Can you just reply information correct to the email? And I just thought, That's really weird. Did you really think that? I thought that yeah, was at the time. so strange. At the time. Actually, yeah, at that time, Kelly and I were like, because I had suspected it was a scam, but why were and, and we were kind of making eyes at each other? We were I was all that, that desperate. desperate that I just replied, "Information correct." Like, do you mind just really binding yourself to this fraud? But then, but when also, you reread the email, why we were replying "information correct" is because it says, "I, Kelly Waldron, <laughs> agreed to pay this amount in full from this credit card." Yeah. Like, but the thing is, as Satya said before, n- none of us had heard the entire phone call. Or, I guess you had, Satya. Yeah, that's true. We all just had a little bit of dodgy information. I had only heard part of the conversation with James. and For all I knew, it, this was an Air Canada representative. And who was I to argue with someone who does this for a living, you know? Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> who was I to argue and it was with like a just... staunch professional like James? <laughs> it was just within the realm of possibility, I think. Like, it wasn't too far-fetched that you could travel with the... But, number one rule, you can't travel without a passport. Yeah, that's like We all really have friends or have been in situations where we've been at the airport and been turned down because but we don't have a passport. But I've gotten home with a passport scan. Really? Like, what? Yeah. From where? But you've also... When I was in India. But you've also got to have, like, an embassy call and stuff like that. But, like, I know that it has been possible. Okay. Okay. So So obviously off I shoot to the airport confident <laughs> somehow that I was gonna get in and I remember I got to the airport and then when I got to the airport I was like, Alright, this is a little bit sus but James had reassured me that if I faced any issues he'd give me his number and he'd said, Just call me back <laughs> And I thought, Great uh, so I went to the airport and I remember I handed the woman fully confidently just hand her this passport card she's probably never seen before when we're in Canada she has no idea what it is give her the passport card and like a scan of my old passport and I was like oh. which you went to print which I went to print because James... James insisted it was necessary uh, and I the woman just looked at me and then went I'm going to have to speak to my manager and I thought oh this is a little bit ropey now and then she sort of came back with a look on her face I could only describe as sort of no it was more like of course you fucking can't (laughs) like of course you can't fly without your passport 
and I sort of like mumbled my lip was sort of shaking, like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I really really wanted to get on the flight and she just like was really sort of mean and just shut me down she mm-hmm. was like no and I thought no worries I'll call James <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest from that point on it was just a real sort of blur of me sort of like trying to speak to Eric Handel people Eric Handel people just kind of ignoring me me with like an outstretched arm trying to hand James on the phone over to the manager of the Eric Handel booth who's clearly under quite a lot of pressure trying to check people on with passports to the 850 to London Heathrow and then I came home um, feeling quite sorry for myself terrible to my legs yeah and if you want to hear the rest of that story well We'll say that, so you missed that flight. I missed that flight. But you got home in time for Christmas. I got home on Christmas Eve. Which was to do with that woman, Laura, or... No, because now it almost sounds more like she smuggled me no. or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it was totally okay, no, someone actually, very helpful. You were just someone, so, oh yes, there's a bit of this story that I forgot, which is that a family member had died at home during this period. A family member had died... I'm going to say that as a disclaimer. So for that reason, because a family member had died, Laura was able to give me an emergency passport document, which very conveniently also meant that I was able to get home for Christmas. <laughs> and but mainly, it's not all so bad with James. It's not also bad with James because Sarchi then sort of started this weird <laughs> telephone fling with James. Well, I called him every day, twice a day, every day for the next three weeks. Psycho. Well, no, I yeah. think you felt the responsibility for... I mean, it, we were all responsible for the scam. But I think you felt particularly bad because you'd been on the phone with James. And I was annoyed because we paid, remember, on Kelly's credit card, which is a Luxembourgish card, which requires... Normally, like, if there's a fraudulent... I mean, I guess we disagreed on what fraudulent charges meant. But if you are scammed or had a fraudulent charge... Normally, you can just call your credit card company and they remove it, I think. Yeah, or reimburse Well, they're you more inclined to than if it's a debit account because it's like their money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's just say that in the US or Canada, that'd be a much simpler process than the bureaucratic process that is trying to do that in Luxembourg. So which I requires going case. to the police. Yeah, station. going to the police, opening a case, which I had started doing, but it was taking a while to get the paperwork together and get all the information about what exactly had happened and then every time I was trying to explain it to someone there would always be a language barrier first of all and then just trying to explain the whole scam story people were confused more than anything um, so... but thankfully Sachi managed to get a refund yeah well I called James every day and it didn't I didn't I wasn't sure whether because it wasn't clearly a scam because why would he want to talk to me every day like, they got the money, they could have just... And nothing was going to happen in terms of... I mean, I guess I threatened to kind of take legal action. I think Travel Desk is sort of a grey market operation. Yeah, that's what I think. It's probably just a bad company, not just, you know, a bad company <laughs> that takes risks, but yeah. not necessarily a scam agency. No, a scam agency. Yeah. So... It's <laughs> funny way I describe it. So they gave me a refund, which took ages. I think what they rely on is just they'll give you the refund, but you have to be like calling them every day, talking. I talked to James, Sophie, and Dan, I think. And (laughs) you just have to, you know, really know. What was that You have to invest a lot of time in order to get the refund, and I think most people (laughs) just give up. 
didn't you call once and it was James who picked up and it pretended to be someone else? Yeah, and I was like, I know it's you, James. And he's like, yes, Sachi. <laughs> so funny. So flirty of him. True. <laughs> oh, James. <laughs> yeah. And so, now we're getting married. Yeah. <laughs> That's the crux of the story. So you it. got the refund on the reissued ticket. And since his flight was three hours late. So this is very lucky. My outbound flight, the initial one that I missed. Um, ended up actually departing three hours late, which meant that lovely, lovely Air Canada actually allowed me to... The real Air Canada. The real Slim Shady. Allowed me to move my flight a couple of days later, which meant I didn't actually have to pay anything extra. Um, The issue at this point was, though, that I had lost four passports in the last six years. (laughs) And so I think that essentially our friend Laura at the embassy said that there's a good chance that the Irish government are going to think that you're selling these or something of the like something of the sort right because no one is that stupid and I went no 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 one but me but she basically said you can go home but like there's no way to get quick confirmation that I was even going to be issued another passport the passport I've been issued before had been given to me on a two-year sort of validity right and she said there's a good chance you won't get actually a passport which would have left me stranded in the uk unable to get back into canada um but i bit the bullet yeah and went home and then you were lucky i was lucky the whole he got a new um flight to london and flight back for free mm-hmm. and he got the scam i mean it was my fault but at least we got it the scam refunded yeah yeah it was it was actually ended very well and i got a new passport on two-year validity from the irish government and you still have no idea how you lost that passport so i have no idea still I haven't it. found it still haven't found it but that's like this isn't the first time this has happened to me so <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. That was a strange one. That was my last travel experience. Didn't go very well. So yeah. I'm hoping this one goes well. But I'm not sure. This one is so stressful because we just yeah. don't know. We live in uncertain times. Well, yeah, but you guys think, and I guess I also agree, that airlines are going to go bust. Kind right. of. Or at so. least ground most flights. And there are these travel bans. Yeah, so at the time of. I guess you're listening to this, or we're recording this. You <laughs> may well be dead. No, no. <laughs> um, yesterday, the EU announced um, a ban on all entry to the EU. Um, obviously, EU citizens and a few pe- other people are exempt from the ban, but if there's no travel, or like no demand for travel, presumably there won't be any flights. So Patty and I have been debating for the past two days when we should go home. Mm. Yeah, we've had rather different advice from HQ, both of us. My family seems to be urging me to stay away from the UK. Kelly's fam want her back in the Elberg. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a strange but one. But here, isolation so far <coughs> hasn't been so bad. And hasn't Montreal isn't really to the point that Europe is right now. No. Yeah. Um, but we still haven't been leaving the house at all. We've been kind of talking about, like, the difference in approach in the UK as well. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, they're just the complete lack of approach. <laughs> uh, 
people are walking away from it. Right, yeah. yeah. But we have been trying to kind of social distance and self-isolate. We haven't left at all today. Yesterday, we just left to run, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, even when you were getting the Domino's pizza, you're still at a distance. At a distance. Washed my hands after using the card machine. I feel like we aren't that bad at uh, self-isolating. No, I think we've been doing very well over the past five days. Yeah. I think at first we were reluctant or we weren't sure if we should do it because things weren't as bad he- aren't as bad here yet mm. and the government didn't start suggesting that until a couple of days ago but i think we decided when was it when we were going to have a party we decided to cancel it yeah saturday gone friday it's gone. just gone friday just it's gone been, it's escalated so fast this time yeah. last week we were we had no idea we'd be in this situation well this time last week it was just kind of a meme yeah. And I remember I was saying to the girls earlier that I remember I walked the dispatch coffee on campus where we go to university at McGill and I had my new object of desire, my husky keep cup. Which by the way <laughs> we I, all they are not paying, they're not paying me any money, but you know, if anyone wants any sort of partnership deal, I deserve <laughs> extremely good product. Husky, two E's use code no I'm joking um, <laughs> but I remember going to dispatch and they wouldn't put my coffee in my keep cup and I was like this is obscene how could I live like this you know like this level of disruption to my daily routine can't possibly take can't possibly take this. and now we literally sit on the verge of global economic collapse you know and that was that's a course of a couple of days yeah it's pretty scary we sat through Boris Johnson's speech yesterday, Macron's speech, Trudeau's speech, and I mean... We're probably watching the news a little bit too much, but it's quite reassuring given the pace at which things are moving, you know? Yeah. It's also been interesting to see how people are treating the self-isolation. I guess most of my friends have gone home and are living with their families and are kind of self-isolating, not even by choice, but like just because of circumstances they can't really go anywhere or do anything um people here have been pretty much self-isolating yeah seems that way people in the uk are having a fucking jolly by the looks of things it mm. looks like it's very good fun well the uk maybe just summarize the how the approach is kind of different thus far yeah well the uk have gone for well i think they're kind of changing lanes now to get on board with what most other countries are doing the sort of the continental approach shall we call it (laughs) (laughs) but the neo-continental approach because I don't want that to get confused with the Italian approach which was pretty pretty relaxed if we're honest Um, but yeah the UK have decided to or did decide to Sir Patrick Valance and Chris Whitty who's the chief scientific advisor and then the, the chief medical officer I think Um, they decided that they could only convince people to self-isolate for a certain period of time before they got what they referred to as isolation fatigue which was this idea that after a certain map period after a certain period of time indoors people are just gonna think screw this and sort of head out so they thought they needed to apply that at the the steepest part of the sort of the curve I guess sombrero the sombrero (laughs) which they're trying to squash the curve they're trying to flatten the peak they're trying to flatten 
and then I think there was sort of global uproar so I don't think you guys well also the concept of herd immunity so they weren't closing yeah. schools and universities basically they still I, from my understanding to kind of get young people sick yeah. and then so that they would have immunity and then reduce the transmission as the year goes on yeah basically because my obviously well which yeah. seems to make sense yeah and mo- I'm, yeah i'm sure if you're listening to this you're only too informed but the idea is that young people tend to not really get a very they get mild to moderate illness wouldn't require the help of the nhs wouldn't require the help of the nhs and given how far off a vaccine seems i guess it does sort of make sense however i think what they're realizing at this point is that the nhs is set to be overwhelmed right and so you know, for whatever reason it does just make more sense to get to help them to self-isolate but they're still the government is still taking quite lax measures they haven't officially banned public gatherings haven't officially banned people going to pubs or clubs or restaurants they're just sort of advising against it um so yeah it's quite interesting sort of just looking at everyone's instagram stories back home it seems like what i'm doing now would seem ridiculously extreme to them but I guess the way that I justified it today was that it's like if you think about between every person that's a carrier of the virus the virus and and <laughs> someone who is an at-risk person mm-hmm. um, who I'd imagine most people have like an at-risk person in their family right? Yeah. most people have like an old grandparent or right. like someone in their family with sort of some sort of a pre-existing pre-existing yeah immunocompromised fella or lass <laughs> yeah um yeah between each carrier and that person there's sort of a chain of people who will just get a mild to moderate illness but who, who will still be able to transmit, transmit and mm. who will still be carriers and i think it's just kind of important for the vulnerable people that if you're someone around our age who you know you're not worried about just getting it yourself you take a bit of responsibility to break that sort of chain right which we kind of realized more today and yesterday it got a lot more real yeah yeah (laughs) so and then we just wanted to take this opportunity to podcast well we have a ton of time and kelly's leaving tomorrow and we always wanted to do a podcast with patty but yeah this was kind of our last opportunity right i guess this is the last time we'll be living together for we lived with Patty oh, wow. all all year. Yeah. We found him on Facebook. <laughs> and at first didn't really know what to make of him. Yeah, well, it's weird. He's has a pseudonym on Facebook, and he sent us an Irish passport, even though he told us he was British. I don't know. We found you because... Oh, Kelly found you because you posted an ad. Yeah. You yeah. weren't even responding to our ad. No, I posted the sort of... So at first I was going to stay in student halls mm. when I came here and then I sort of thought actually I was a bit sick of halls by the end of my first year when I was 18 and I think I sort of wanted a double bed and maybe a little bit more peace and quiet so I put a post up on a Facebook group that I found called McGill Off-Campus Housing. I think I just typed in McGill Montreal Housing and that was like the first one that came up and I put a post in saying like you know hi I'm Paddy and then sort of just everything I said about myself I just counteract it to, make, to give myself <laughs> mass appeal 
So I sort of say like, oh, I'm social, I love to go out, but I also love staying in and like, respect <laughs> your social space. I was like, I'm tidy, but I'm not like super tidy. I'm like, kind of, it can be kind of messy, but like tidy as well. Um, you know, I'm loud, but I'm quiet as well. I'm sort of not too loud. And then I sort of, I think I just put up like one or two posts and then the, I only got one response, which was from Kelly. And then I saw the first Only the, one? Really? Yeah. You're the only one? I th- I'm pretty sure like, yeah. And then I got some later on, but you responded pretty quickly. Wow. And then I saw the photos, the apartment, and it was very nice. And it was very different to where I'd been living the year before in Manchester, which was a house that was literally falling down. It had been built on dodgy foundations. So over the course of the year, it began to slant more and more, which was slightly strange. I sort of lit, felt like I was living in a house from like a Dr. Seuss novel or something. It was just like a big leaning tower of geezer. <laughs> um <laughs> and that was awful and then um yeah so i saw the house and i they said do you want to jump on a skype call and i was like yeah sounds really good and then <laughs> they i think they'd said something along the lines of like we're speaking to like 30 other people and I just thought, <laughs> this is there's no chance of me getting this and i was really nervous i'd never interviewed for a house before i'd only ever sort of lived with friends at university you were pacing around the room it seemed but pacing out the, around the room right before the skype call and then it got to four when we agreed to call and i waited until 401 to see him <laughs> cool and relaxed and, <laughs> and sarchi was sat on a bed with you know people kind of have the selfie camera on but it's only showing about a quarter of their face just very uninterested <laughs> kelly was on the metro in singapore and i was sort of just struggling to listen to their questions and giving responses and quite red in the face and sort of ended the call and just thought there's no way that that went well <laughs> and then a couple of days later I hadn't heard from anyone else and they were just like do you want to live with us and being the lazy fucker that I am just thought this will do and went with it and then and then well, we met each other we in but you didn't we think we would be like good friends right away because we yeah. are very different yeah right it's a, and our lifestyles have, have kind of merged somewhat over the course of the past I don't know how many months yeah but think we're very different at the start because how would you describe yourself more in terms of lifestyle and I mean you're a different. DJ <laughs> I'm not I'm not it doesn't define me I'm a student that's what I'd put on a you know the census yeah um, <laughs> but meaning but uh, yeah i like I'm, I'm i like music and yeah i think maybe i've changed a little bit over the course of the year just because of my surroundings here and stuff but definitely before i came to montreal i was sort of very into just going out to raves and events and parties and listening to lots of music and mm-hmm. djing and all the other fun things that you do <laughs> and take and drink yeah. when you're doing those things and then I kind of assumed that that was just like well, the way I was going to carry on when I got to Montreal and then I got to Montreal and I stayed with a friend for a week or so in August and then before my lease started and then on the day that we moved in I went to Saint-Tropez Cafe which is a cute little sandwich shop and cafe near where we live now in Montreal and I met Ricky our then roommate and Kelly and Saatchi and I thought like they're going to be really nice to live with but 
I just wanted friends like my friends in Manchester and that was my aim I was like I'm just going to find people that are similar to the people that I like back home which is other people that are into that kind of thing and I was like they're going to be really nice to live with but we're probably not going to be very close and I think that was sort of the ethos for the first month or so Mm. and we sort of weren't that close it was just sort of living arrangements yeah but still you know friendly friendly oh friendly yeah, but friendly. your friends weren't really our friends mm. that quickly that changed. quickly changed <laughs> yeah that quickly changed meaning it didn't change like it changed quickly not that it quickly changed yeah and i yeah so i had some other exchange friends who were maybe more like my friends in Ma- not still not exactly like my friends in manchester but more like my friends in manchester um, the Australians? The Australians. Well, Matt was on the podcast last time. Matt was on the yeah. podcast last time. He was one of the Australians. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of hanging out with them more. Yeah. Um, and then we had a party. And then the Australians came round. And then we all became friends with the Australians. <laughs> and some of us closer friends than others. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything sort of merged. And then... The police came around that time. And then too. the police came around and took my ID, <laughs> which I was very scared about in my little drunk, yeah. stoned mind. I thought I was going to get deported or something. I don't know. Um, and then we became friends. I think it was when you were planning to go and see Sarchi's mum in Portland. Yeah. And then I was sort of sat at the table eating or doing some work or something. And I went, what? Well, I'm more likely eating than doing work last semester. But, um, and then I said, oh, what are you guys doing? And you said, we're going to Portland, do you want to come? And yeah. I was sort of surprised that you'd even asked that I wanted to come. I was like, that seems like a big social commitment, given the fact that like we weren't really that close as friends at the time. And I was like, yes, When sweet. was that? I think we were quite close by that point. Were we close by that point? You and Kelly were more close, because Kelly was good friends with the <laughs> Yeah, funny. Kelly, oh, that's right. That's true, yeah. And I would go out with you guys more than Sachi would. That's yeah. true. But I think that was like, I mean, my mom Portland was like the first big step. Yeah. But yeah, that is true. I when was Portland? Yeah, it was October, no. Okay. End of October? No, that was, no, it was no, end of November. We, end of end November? Of, yeah. Beginning of November. Okay, so I've got this all mixed up in my mind. So yeah, so I, was pro- I think at this point I was quite close with Kelly, not as close with Sachi starting to change a little bit i'd started to eat fermented foods yeah started to listen to japanese music. started to listen to japanese music less partying maybe no. a little bit less less than manchester mm-hmm. the year before and then we went and we had just spent a lot of time like cooking dinner with ricky and doing things in the flat mm. and our thanksgiving dinner i feel like we'd done quite a few things yeah together true actually the collaging. I basically just, I basically just taken Portland and just shoehorned it in As way before. The yeah. Turning point. The turning point. <laughs> no, I guess yeah, we were pretty close at that point. But I still remember, I remember Portland sort of slightly catching me off guard, thinking like this is like a big social outing. Well, we got, we all got really close in Portland, I think. Yeah. Because it was a very intense weekend because Ricky had to leave, and he wasn't really expecting to leave. And he had to leave from the U.S. instead of Montreal. He left all his stuff in Montreal back to New Zealand. Um, Family emergency. Yeah. And so then we, it was just us three. Yeah. And we ended up driving. For the rest of the semester. Driving yeah. to Boston and back. Yeah. We ate a cannoli 
and felt very sick. We ate it, yeah, in 30 seconds. Yeah, and I was going to say, budget at least three minutes. <laughs> but we could have easily had three minutes. I don't know why we felt the need to shove it down. I think I, in hindsight, I think I was dehydrated. You know, sometimes when you're dehydrated, you just want to eat. If there's any food, yeah. can, you can get convinced that you're hungry. But we were also parked in some dodgy spot on the side of the road on like a busy street, and we so, still had to drive all the way back. We just your I mean, mom I was waiting for us. Inhaled that cannoli. But we shouldn't have eaten it. We yeah. just felt awful. Like I felt really sick. Yeah, really gross. But Mike's cannolis, right? Mike's. Yeah. Mike, Famous if you're place. Mike. Less <laughs> sugar. <laughs> It was sad. It was actually sad. I remember we drive. We drived. We drived. We drove for about ten minutes afterwards in silence, just yeah. pure shame. And then I think someone said, "Like I feel sick." Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, "I concur." Yeah, that was gross. And then what else happened then? N- nothing much. And then nothing after much. Portland. <laughs> Yeah, and then after Portland, me and Sarchi got into a romantic relationship and then started going out. Mm-hmm. And then that takes us to the start of our passport story, really. Yeah. So in Star Wars fashion, we've given you episodes. <laughs> How does it go in Star Wars? Four, five, six, and, and then, then one, one, two, two three. three. Yeah. Is that the way it works? Oh, uh, yeah. And then this semester, because Ricky left. Ricky's gone. Now this semester, well, the semester's over. The year is over. Year is over. That's um, right. Safe We were living with <laughs> Eloise and Sully. Yeah. Eloise is, she goes to UCL. And we found her just before we needed. The day before. To pay our rent, yeah. That was the, really lucky. Yeah. And that we, was another. I don't think they've even signed a lease. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. But that was another sketchy phone call set up. Yeah, during the whole passport saga, we were fast approaching the 1st of January and we needed two new roommates because Ricky had left and Felix, our other roommate, who was a UN intern, had left. Mm -hmm. And we needed two people to lay down some cold hard cash on the 1st of Jan. (laughs) And we've been putting it off quite aggressively for about no, two months. No, I mean, we we had some phone calls here and there, but really it wasn't looking good. <laughs> no, The first guy... Was really strange. Yeah. This, who was the second guy? He he was actually cool. He was the Swiss oh, guy. Oh, yeah. He looked like Chris Hemsworth. Who looked like Chris Hemsworth. And he backed he out. He just backed out. Yeah, right. he just bottled it. Yeah. And then... And then we found Sully. Yeah. And I, I liked Sully. Oh wait, Sully came for it. You were the person. only one who had met him, right? And Felix was at the place at the time. Yeah. And then we called Sully, and we, yeah, we all did a video chat with him, and then we had him agreed before. quite early on. Yeah. yeah. And then um, Eloise, we found through a friend, through Patty's friend. And yeah, I think Sachi and me called. Yeah. And yeah, that was that. And Sully worked out really well. Yeah, we Sully is from Montreal, and he's um, a software engineer, and he's gonna go work at Shopify. And he he's been I don't know he's been pretty chill. It's his last semester. Um, He's he picked up a lot credits. of hobbies. 
Just one of those credits, man. That's all he was in it for. True. He's got the job at Shopify. Shopify like an e-commerce company, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, he's he's actually just the sweetest little boy, sweetest big, sweetest biggest boy. <laughs> he's a guitar player. He just learned. He's a guitar player now. How to play the guitar? Yeah. He's a yogi. He's a yogi. Your one time going to yoga. <laughs> yeah, my one time going to yoga. I had a really strange month. experience with Salomon. True. <laughs> which was that <laughs> I so yeah so we all signed up to this yoga studio for a one month trial first came the fermented foods first came the fermented foods next came the decalcification of my third eye <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah so we were all signing up to this bougie little yoga studio where we live on Saint Laurent yeah because there's if you hard. do the first month it's kind of discounted it's like yeah. half the normal price yeah so obviously I dropped $40 on this thinking <laughs> wow how cheap what a bargain <laughs> I'll go at least 32 times in my trial month and that'll actually work out quite cheap. So of course I come back and I walk through the doors of that yoga studio for the first and the last time. <laughs> With Sally, we dis- we'd agreed to go after university in January on one of the, one of the days, I think it was a couple of days after I'd got back from Christmas break. And I think it's important to add at this point that Sully really got into the yoga. Sully was really into it. Sully so he also like, got this one month trial, but he was going every day. Every single day. Two times a day sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And um so I went with Sully and we'd gone to Yin and Tonic, which was a class that involved <laughs> gentle stretching and gentle massages while you stretch so it's kind of yeah, like yeah masseuse you ever, comes to the class yeah so like if you've ever been to a standard yoga class you just lie on your mats around the room and you do your poses and that's that and in this one you do very <laughs> gentle stretching poses while a masseuse a trained masseuse <laughs> parades around the studio <laughs> rubbing you at sort of various intervals and so I go to this class and it's sort of me, Sully and around 12 to 13 yummy mummies, I'd say, <laughs> sort of women in their late uh, 30s, early 40s, couple of young kids, you know, that kind of set up. So we're doing our thing and I get my massage, I got a head massage, so everyone gets a different massage as well, which is quite exciting, you don't get to choose. You just get a randomly assigned massage. Mm. <laughs> so I got a head massage and we're going through doing our thing and I noticed Sally looks quite apt. And then at the end of the class, they sort of leave you, I was sort of curled up in a ball on my front with my hands <laughs> by my side and my chin tucked into my chest or something, <laughs> sort of looking like a pre-packaged whole chicken for roasting at the supermarket (laughs) (laughs) and the instructor said uh, you can stand up at your own no 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 it was it was very yoga they said i invite you to stay in the room for as long as you'd like but also if you'd like you can stand up and leave (laughs) and i only needed the last four words of that sentence (laughs) so i stood up and i left and as I left, I saw Sully was getting his massage. So I was like, cool. And Sully's had some back problems. 
So I walk out um, and I'm sitting in the sort of lobby area of the yoga studio, just on my phone browsing and after, you know, 30 seconds, a few of the yummy mummies come out and, you know, two minutes later, a couple more come out and then five minutes later, a couple more come out. 10 minutes, one more comes out and I was like, oh, okay. So Sally must have just, you know, hit it off with this physio, I'm assuming, who was giving out the massages or she was giving him some sort of advice by his back. So I was like, that's cool. Um, or I knew he'd been going for a long time so I was like maybe he just really likes to hold that last pose you know really feel it and <laughs> hit some sort of meditative state Savasana Savasana we I don't know lying down lying down yeah Savasana that's the one they left us in Savasana right at the end <laughs> so I 20 minutes pass and he still doesn't come out it's quite weird but I'm not going to interrupt him 25 half an hour I was like this is quite strange I was kind of surprised another class hadn't started to be honest and Sally had been stood sort of right by or stood right lying down during the yoga class rather right by the door where he came into the studio that had sort of a, a glass a window slit in it so I walk up to the door and I look through and I can just see Sully still in his savasana i.e. lying on his back and the masseuse wasn't there but given how much Sally had been going I genuinely just thought that he'd hit some sort of level of transcendence like so he, just, he was just in nirvana <laughs> and I was like I don't want to interrupt that <laughs> so I was like I'll just send him a text and I'll shoot off and I'll leave so I went back into the lobby and I walked back out and I just see Sully sort of like fall through the door into the studio rubbing his eyes sort of stumble through look down at his watch look up and see me and he was just like fuck bro I like totally fell asleep <laughs> So there I was thinking that, like, you know, Sully was communicating with some sort of higher power. And in reality, he just was really tired and just fallen asleep at the end of the yoga class. And that was the only time that I went to yoga with Sully. But yeah, Sully was a, Sully's a real sweetheart. I love him. He's so nice, so generous. So and generous and yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And Eloise is leaving tomorrow. As well, yeah. Yeah. Same time as me. Eloise studies anthropology. She's from High Wycombe. You study. I study management, unfortunately. I've never heard I you don't... say that without saying unfortunately. That's funny. <laughs> I think management is good. Yeah, your mum really made me feel good about studying management. Mm, I mean, it's important. Things need to be managed, I suppose. Yeah. Expectations. <laughs> <laughs> and. Do you, are you excited? Well, you have one more year of uni. Yeah. And then you're going to go into the workforce? I, su- I suppose so. Do you think you'll go back to... Oh, what's it called? Oh. The, the trading company you worked oh, for? Oh, probably not, no. That was a strange experience. I do need to be careful about what I say, just on the off chance that someone yeah. who's involved with the company hears this. But, yeah, needless to say, working for a Mormon-owned... Um, corporate foreign exchange brokerage um, staffed by mainly sort of football (laughs) football enthusiasts white men from Essex in the centre of London was a pretty interesting experience in my gap year it was just the team dynamic that was 
I mean, could you just share a few It's funny stories? to even refer to us as a team. <laughs> <laughs> One of your former colleagues came to visit in September. Miles. And this was when we didn't really know you. Yeah, Miles. Former colleague and friend. Former colleague. Best friend. Former colleague, current friend. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, Miles, he's a very, very sweet boy. He might listen to this, actually. I'd imagine it's the kind of thing they do. If you're listening, hi, Miles. And he was... He left a lasting impression on everyone here. Yeah. Yeah, I was quite, I was quite interested by that because in my <laughs> mind, he's clever, but he's also just like a fucking idiot. So I just found it quite <laughs> impressive that everyone here just thought he was this, this, this sort of hyper intelligent, hyper funny, he which was... he is, he is. But he's also a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just sat there drinking twisted teas for several days. <laughs> Didn't realize the sugar content. If anyone wants to really ruin twisted teas, look up how much sugar's in one cup. But I don't understand how you guys didn't expect it because once you googled how much sugar there was in a twisted tea you stopped drinking it immediately and miles i think went to brush his teeth yeah and yeah but like isn't it to be expected i suppose well it wasn't not that much i'm not going to ruin it for you i've got the number in my head but <laughs> i presume you're listening to this on some sort of internet connected device so do yourself a, do yourself a favor i suppose and make sure you never drink twisted tea again because that is how you get type 2 diabetes yeah pretty rapido i'm not a medical professional but i'd imagine that much sugar is not good for you we used to rip through like a 24 pack as well that's horrible awful that's why you felt so unwell yeah i felt for a few days for a few days um but yeah anyway so miles was someone who i worked with and he was sort of probably my closest friend there i don't want to say that we were all pretty close but we really hit it off. Close? Yeah, I mean, I was close with the other guys in the desk. In our own way. Not all of them. But most of them. But it seemed almost like bullying. It was bullying. But it was kind of under the guise of banter. Mm. But it was, a, it was an unbelievable experience. It really... It was not what I was ready for. Is this sort of naive little 18-year-old boy. First proper job. Um, I was basically working at my mum's pub and my brother had worked at well they when they set up their London office it's a Utah based company um, a couple of years before and he'd said if I wanted something that was a little bit more sort of regular hours and maybe slightly better pay and I agreed and I put a suit on and went along to the interview and I think they kind of gave me the job just because um, my brother had like helped them out at the start and you know, I'd, I'd kind of finished school and got all right A-levels. I remember I actually realised on... I made just two massive gaffes with that interview, which is that, first of all, I realised on the train there... Three massive gaffes. On the train there, I realised that I had two very close shades of navy suit in my brother's <laughs> wardrobe, and I'd actually managed to put up the wrong oh, jacket no. <laughs> with the wrong trousers, which I didn't realise I got dressed in a fairly dark room and it took <laughs> on the tube in daylight to realise that. I was also wearing a bright red tie, which I think is a massive no-no for a job interview. Mm. Sort of weird power look. <laughs> We could almost say four faux pas. I arrived wearing a backpack for some reason. <laughs> Fresh out of that school mindset. And finally my phone like repeatedly went off during the interview. Really? Yeah, That's really bad. Oh, really bad, yeah. Well, Did you acknowledge it or just ignore? I ignored it the first time and then I had to sort of pause the interview to right. put my phone on silent, which I don't think is a very good look. 
did your boss like the guy who ended up being your boss interview you yeah but yeah and Miles no it wasn't Miles who interviewed me it was another guy called Ruben and I mean what stories do you want there's so many well I just want yeah to convey the dynamic it sounds like I'm gonna quickly I'm gonna shuffle I'm gonna move my my seating arrangement once do you want anything to drink yeah I'm gonna yeah so we're in Sarchi's bedroom at the moment and we're all a little bit drunk and I've got a lovely bottle of Montreal distilled rum and, and we're also drinking a, we're coffee. Have a glass. And we're drinking coffee at 11 o'clock at night because we didn't feel like we would have the mental drive to... And we've sort of lost sense of time in, over the last few days. In there? No, no. Do you want... Oh, do I want some coffee? No, I thought... Oh. Sarchi's just reached out with her coffee mug there, so I've popped the rum, <laughs> which is, for anyone who knows, Sarchi would be very in character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I'm having a lovely glass of this. Shout out to Rosemont Distillery in Montreal. Small batch, spiced rum. Very nice. Available at your closest SAQ, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, well, the way you've explained it, when you walk, like your first day, you were just shocked immediately by the distinct kind of work culture. The lack of work culture yeah. the yeah. culture of lack of work and the culture of personal insults and pranks I was insulted on my first day more than I'd been cumulatively insulted up until that point in my life I remember on my first day I was ridiculed for being overweight for having thinning hair <laughs> the fact that I had a red face so amongst mean. other things Vegan. amongst people that I'd known for around well just a couple of hours and it was good it really whipped me into shape and then the prank started and it was just relentless just give us a rapid fire a few examples of what people did so you could not ever go to the toilet and leave your computer unlocked because you would arrive back to... It was impressive the number of people the boys managed to message in the space of time (laughs) it took me to go for like a two-minute, you know, urination station. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. I'd come back, my auntie would have been asked out on a date, (laughs) my ex-girlfriend would have been tagged in a status update, (laughs) which they would turn notifications off as well. So oftentimes they would put a post up, turn off notifications for it, And, you know, two days later, you'd come back, be looking at your profile and realise that you'd had, you know, I have a tiny willy, or worse, (laughs) posted with 50 likes on your wall for the past two days. Um, I had eggs cracked in my drawer when I was going out for client meetings. I'd come back after two days with a sort of rotting egg in my drawer. Wow. Um, We had emails sent from our work emails to clients um i remember one unfortunate boy jacob had one of his major clients we it was the the new year the new year of our law 2017 and we'd managed to find a really kind of crappy word art image that said happy new year 2016 (laughs) And we'd stretch the image just horizontally so that it was really pixelated and distorted and stretched. And we'd set it with the subject line, Happy New Year, from his 
professional work email to one of his main clients and obviously when something like that happens <laughs> and this client is trusting you with hundreds of thousands if not millions of pounds of foreign exchange exposure you can't say sorry that was my clients so you really have to own the your fact colleague. that it was you your colleagues yeah. yeah can't say sorry that was my colleagues that was funny um also sending weather updates to clients from people's emails which is just a screenshot of the google weather report and just sending that with you know the, the subject line being like just thought you'd like to see or you know rain expected tomorrow <laughs> totally unrelated <laughs> so unprofessional um, but did, didn't this hurt the business or weren't they afraid that it would it was being carried by a couple of big accounts mm-hmm. yeah um, it was funny <laughs> will you funny. go back no it was a great company and I think I, 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 I've got to say that I think they have sorted out this was a couple of years ago yeah. and I think that now things are good um but we were just uh, just we were just a bunch of idiots. And you got away with so much. Yeah, we did get away with a lot. It was <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Okay, so well, you're going back to Manchester next, next year. year. Mm-hmm. Any reflections, you guys, on the this year? It's ended so abruptly and so kind of. In it's an quite unexpected sad, way. Yeah. Kelly and I have been crying a lot today and yesterday. <laughs> the microphone is resting in a box of tissues right now. A well used box of tissues. Yeah, yeah. Which we've carried around from room to room today. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, Sachi and I have spent a lot of time together over the last couple of years, so it's quite sad to be going and not knowing when we'll be back. Right, and it's quite uncertain in general in terms of... And I'm sure everyone can relate on some level because obviously the situation is affecting us all and, yeah, everyone's had to change their ways and make adjustments. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing, really. It's not like war, but it kind of feels like the closest thing we'll ever get to it. Yeah. Like it's all that anyone's no, talking about. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Mm. It's all that anyone's talking about. Because you've got the double hit of it being a massive world event and also the fact that like nothing else is happening. Yeah. No sport, no right. music. We're not leaving the house. You know, it's strange. But it's weird because I'm like close with, connected with YouTube, but I can't really... Like, we're not inviting friends over, we're not going to friends' houses, we're not... I mean, the whole social distancing element really changes just dynamics with others. And I hope it doesn't... We were talking about, like, how COVID-19 may have lasting effects, not only, you know, economic, political effects, but just in terms of socializing, social life. I was thinking just how weird it's gonna feel to just go out for the first time after this or go to a restaurant yeah even interact with strangers pick up a conversation with someone new because it's just here really you're self-isolating if you go to the um supermarket you're just buying food trying to like hand sanitize whenever you touch something new avoiding coming too close to other people it's really Mm -hmm. changing social dynamics even shaking someone's hand for the first time after this 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saw a very good Facebook status update from a friend today, which was that everyone should definitely make sure that they are matching their increased hand washing with increased uh, moisturization because the only thing sadder than the spread of the coronavirus is if everyone ends up with gross scaly hands because i want my first handshake back to be sort of a nice supple experience i don't want it to sort of just crunch and crumble under the force of my grip you know so moisturize guys that's what i've got to say wash your hands but equally as importantly Mm -hmm. moisturize okay (laughs) Paddy, what will you miss about Montreal? <laughs> Nothing. I hate it. No, I'm joking. Lots of things. It's weird. I sort of... Say chez moi. Say chez moi. Not say chez moi. Say chez nous. <laughs> um, comrade. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's been weird because it's... I mean, when I first came, like I say, I was just kind of looking to live my sort of regular uni experience up until that point just in like a different city and I've definitely changed a lot since I've been here my sort of social priorities have changed what do you mean the things I do well I just think I've kind of ended up having like a smaller just closer group of friends here than I might have had uh-huh. back home um which has been you know neither bad or worse just interesting and yeah, I mean, I'll miss... What will I miss about Montreal? I will miss... Sapper. <laughs> yeah. The Vietnamese ban me... Vegan ban me Vegan ban me place down the road. And I'll miss Cam, the proprietor... Vietnamese paninis. Vietnamese paninis. <laughs> ban me's. Um, I will miss... You guys, obviously. I will miss... the funny interactions that I have with people who are angry that I speak English here because here we're obviously in Quebec, French Canada and people really do get wound up at people not being able to speak French but I'll kind of miss that Um, I will miss construction (laughs) sites everywhere I will miss the fact that people actually speak in lectures here at university I, f- I fear that I'm going to go back and people are going to think that I'm a bit of a tosser because it's just like the level of sort of interaction in university classrooms here is just so far beyond the UK people just don't ask questions mm-hmm. it's very much a sort of a passive experience whereas here it's quite active I miss that I think it's good it's good you hear a lot more opinions and I think once there's no sort of shame to to talk out, speak out in a classroom, then you actually hear quite interesting stuff. Yeah, and it seems you've taken classes that you really have um, had an interest in and Mm. maybe will do something with in the future. Yeah. More talking about, you know, business for good and NGOs, um, the public sector, transport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah true R- weirdly realised that I kind of get a hard on for public transport which I didn't really realise was a thing mm-hmm. I quite enjoy it it's quite a cool concept I think growing up in London I kind of took it for granted but I didn't realise how much having access to like a really good public transport system really sort of 
shaped my youth <laughs> and you know gave me a lot of agency from a young age yeah you know I was like taking the bus taking the tube from like the age of 12 13 which I, I understand now that it is an age for a lot of people where you don't really have much agency you rely mm-hmm. on your parents if you want to do anything and mm. yeah you know you don't really have very much independence so yeah I think public transport is cool and good and good public transport systems massively benefit society mm-hmm. which is something that I didn't think I was interested in but I've realised that I think I'm quite interested in yeah yeah what else will you miss? I will miss it's tricky now to put me on the spot this um, apartment this apartment yeah this is probably I always say this is probably the nicest place we're going to live for the next 15 years <laughs> So I've been definitely enjoying this. We live in a beautiful little apartment on Saint Laurent Boulevard in Montreal, Saint Laurent and Marianne. Well, that lovely. Say exactly where. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, that's well, it's a, it's a junction. There, yeah. I'm sure there are lots of nice apartments around here. Um, yeah, very pretty. Plateau. Plateau. Kelly and I said we would never move to the plateau, but here, here we, we are. are. <laughs> and moving back here in September. Yeah. Mm. Very excited crossed. too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I miss. I think that there's a lot of cool little independent businesses around Montreal that I like. I'm gonna miss the cold, believe it or not. Yeah, the winter. I guess you survived. Didn't bother me. It wasn't that bad this year. Yeah, I find. But it just got you know. Ice skating. It was just nice ice skating, which I did once and really enjoyed, <laughs> and then just never did again. That was you a were really so cool reluctant day. to go. I was really reluctant to go, and then really, really enjoyed it, and then because I'm lazy, just never went again. Mm. To be fair, though, it was pretty bad conditions. Yeah. And the ice was very bumpy. Yeah. Mm. And there was a slightly wide berth between Sachi, who had a private Czech figure skater <laughs> ice skating coach as a child <laughs> versus me who'd been once at <laughs> the National History Museum in London and held onto the barriers the entire time <laughs> on a bumpy bumpy lake yeah mm-hmm. in La Fontaine La Park. Fontaine um, yeah I don't know I can't, that's the thing I can't really say that I'm going to miss ice skating because it didn't really <laughs> form, forge my experience here too much yeah I'm going to miss our trips we did a few do we miss our trips I miss the scenery I think the scenery yeah. here is pretty on a pretty different scale to what you see back home mm. it's quite lucky that all this is happening just after our reading week i was saying to sachi because we still got to go to toronto and portland which is nice we went to the six we did um yeah that very was... boring road to toronto the yeah the one road yeah but these same petrol station yeah but I was in charge of snacks and I think I really smashed that I'm not sure if any of you have been on a road trip before but generally the fare is limited to sort of crisps and chocolates and I decided to get us a beautiful (laughs) baked in store baguette some boursin garlic cream cheese wow some prosciutto some Boston lettuce leaves and we assembled a lovely sort of <laughs> continental sandwich. Um, Complete with crisp popcorn chocolate. Yeah, obviously, you know, you've got all the standard That's a stuff too. Extra. Hummus, kombucha. kombucha. It was, I think you were really trying to 
make up for something or I don't know. Well, I only it, got the return snacks. You only got the return snacks. And you, the thing is, the snacks on the return, let's be honest, pretty good, right? Yeah, you still and had That was the stuff that we supply. didn't want to eat on the way there. That was just the, that was just the, the leftovers. <laughs> so consider that. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. I mean, a I, job I, well I really done. did throw in the kitchen sink. We've got a, a Splitwise app that we use to split costs and I actually spent so much money <laughs> on the snacks for the trip that I just discounted because I realised actually it was unfair to burden the girls financially. <laughs> Yeah, I won't tell you how many. When all I, I didn't even ask for anything. I just said, oh, "I'll have anything." That was a fucking mind game, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, I, I was going to Provigo <laughs> to get the snacks, and I said, "Kelly, what snacks would you like?" And she said, oh, "I think I, you know me well enough." <laughs> oh, and really? I was sort of out the door before I realised <laughs> the, the psychological manipulation that was involved in that sentence. <laughs> Because then, essentially, what she was doing was throwing down the gauntlet. So I arrived in Provigo and sort of just took the <laughs> one-of-everything approach. Um, I won't tell you how much money I spent on snacks for essentially two, two and a half people. She only made the return journey, so she'd flown out before. But, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a Canadian dollar about, and it rhymed with nifty. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, so that's dinner for two at a nice restaurant, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> However, I would happily have taken that sandwich over dinner for two at a nice restaurant at any, at any yeah. point. It was, it was very lovely. Bloody delicious. Mm-hmm. Borsan in sandwiches, by the way. Except a lot it's of a food. big vibe. Rose in the car. Yeah, true. Really Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. And Toronto was fun, though. Except, it was really fun. Yeah. We stayed with our friend Gwen and her family. That, that was, was great. So lovely. And their cats. And their cats. Yeah, so small hiccup. I can't believe you... Because the the mother asked whether we had any allergies (laughs) for when she was making dinner. And Patty jokingly said... I said as long as we're not having cat and pointed at Saatchi because she's mildly (laughs) allergic to cats. I didn't realize the extent of my allergy. Because you'd never really I wouldn't been have tried to stick it out if I had known. Yeah. yeah. So, cut to maybe six hours later, we're all trying to sleep, and Sachi wakes me up. Well, it was 3 a.m. I, yeah. I had been uncomfortable the whole right. evening. You had mentioned the allergy thing, and we were trying to keep you away from the cats. And the cat had come into the room a few times and woken me up because I was sleeping on the floor, <laughs> and the cat had walked onto my pillow. Onto um, your pillow. Yeah. I was really glad it was me and not you. Yeah, me too. So I took it out a few times. But I woke up it's at one three... way of dealing with waking up with a cat on your pillow. I'm so glad it's me. Well, I knew Sachi would have freaked out. And, well, I woke up and just... I think one... I think the bed had had fur on it or something. Because I woke up and my face was enormous. And I couldn't open my eyes. Or breathe properly. Or, yeah, I was, like, wheezing. Um, and I woke Kelly up. Patty doesn't drive. You slept really well, as <laughs> usual. So I had noticed going to bed that, you know, it's just difficult to sleep with three people in a room. I was sharing a bed with Sarchi. Kelly was on the floor. So to my joy, at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> Sarchi had a severe allergic reaction. <laughs> Which meant that both Kelly and Sarchi vacated the premises and I had a double bed room to myself. 
Life was good. I knew you weren't going to die. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, so we go outside and it had snowed a lot that night. So we spent maybe 10 to 15 minutes um, scooping all the snow off the car, waiting for the ice to melt so we could drive. Or so I could drive, I suppose. And then we went to the nearest 24-hour pharmacy. He was helpful. The guy was really helpful, yeah. That's incredible, actually, that you can go to a pharmacy at 3 a.m. and there's someone, a pharmacist there. Mm. That would never happen in Europe. And then I took the medication. It was, like, very drowsy, though. And then the man said, you know, you'll be fine, just take these things, but best to avoid the problem problem and just stay away. So, Sachi wasn't quite ready to go back into the house. Um, so we decided to go for a drive. Yeah. Into um, the six. It was our first night there. Yeah. We hadn't been in yet. And we saw a telephone pole and we thought it was a CN Tower. <laughs> we didn't know where we were. We thought <laughs> we, we were, realized, like, right downtown. Yeah, then but... maybe 20 to 30 minutes later, then we drove past the CN Tower. Yeah. Um, but we did a full tour, two-hour drive <laughs> of the city. That was a really fun drive. We were yeah. I was so out of it, knocked out and mm-hmm. just kind of like appreciative to be, you know, not around a cat. <laughs> My face was slowly going back to normal. Yeah. I was blowing some sweet sweet zads <laughs> in my master suite. And then yeah. you two had to come back. Ruin my fun. I think by the time you got back it was like breaking dawn. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's Twilight film, isn't it? <laughs> Awful. Yeah, it was. It was. I could, the, the sun was rising. It was. It was a funny night, though. It was a funny night. And you woke up looking like you'd been stung maybe forty-five times in the face <laughs> by bees. That was bad. And then had to go down and through your extremely puffy. You looked. You looked particularly well fed that morning. Your <laughs> face was very full and rounded. <laughs> had to kind of look at Gwen's mum and say, "Oh no, it's fine. It wasn't that bad." <laughs> <laughs> no visibility of your eyeballs. <laughs> uh, thank God that hadn't happened the night before. Because I yeah. went there for a job interview and we were supposed to stay there mm. the, night the night before. Yeah. But there was a snowstorm, so Sachi flew the following morning and Patty and I drove the and next that's day. That's why I missed all the snacks. True. Yeah. Um, okay, well, At maybe we'll do some more trips with you in the future. Hopefully. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's yeah. so weird that the summer can't really be planned. Or, yeah, I mean, is anything going to happen this summer? I don't know. I don't know. Sachi got the job, so that's oh, yeah. exciting. In Toronto, but who knows what will happen. Who knows? Yeah. We're all kind of in limbo. Tomorrow never knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are all in limbo. You might it's be a, leaving in the forty. I don't know how many hours. I give myself hours. forty-eight hours at any given time. <laughs> He's constantly on edge. Playing. When yeah. do you actually think you'll leave? I don't know. I'm not too sure. My plan at the moment is that my parents are. One of my parents is an at-risk. It's a high-risk individual which makes them sound like they're an assassin or something, but actually it means that they just have a pre-existing health condition that means that the coronavirus is not particularly good news. So if I go home, I'm not staying at the family home. Um, My only other option would be to stay with my brother, but then I'd be right in the centre of London, which is quite at risk. And he has been pretty 
it's flagrant an appropriate word with his approach to the <laughs> to the old <laughs> isolation yeah uh, I he hasn't been so I'm going to be heading up back to Manchester actually to stay with two good friends of mine Dan and Emma um, and isolate there probably to buy about 173 bottles of red wine and lots of pasta and just sitting there for the entire summer um, so yeah but I'm just not sure when I'm going to go back yet and basically my tactic is wait as long as I can before the entire airline, airline industry collapses right and um, I won't be able to get back mm-hmm. it is true though that we're so lucky to be in our situations and having a nice apartment in Montreal where we can be recording yeah. podcasts and watching TV and stuff. Lots of soap. And yeah, we have lots of soap. But it's also important to try to kind of come together for your communities, even just reaching out to your friends um, and family and neighbors mm-hmm. and trying to help out where you can. And even passively, I guess, helping out um, by staying inside and, as Patty explained, socially, social distancing and self-isolating um, because that really makes a huge impact in terms of optimizing the public health outcomes. Mm-hmm. And then also I know there's a bunch of charities and NGOs um, organizing programs to help out the more vulnerable people in our societies. Yeah, if you're so, in Montreal, Centre Paul yeah. is looking for volunteers. Um, yeah, I think that ultimately, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of were looking for an overarching message for this podcast, but I think it's that we think that we're doing a fairly good job at the minute of social distancing and social isolation against, you know, our desires because I'm sure that given the fact that we're all leaving soon and I'm leaving I don't know when I'm going to be coming back I'd love to be saying my goodbyes to people and sort of having a bit of a jolly of it but you know I think the thing to realise if you're uh, you know I think if you're an at risk person you kind of already know you get the situation and you get the gravity the gravity of it Um, however if you're not an at risk person I think you have to realise that you know the sort of solution to this isn't ones and zeros black and white um, you just need to think about the fact that every time you can cut out a trip out of the house, you're just putting another dent in, you know, that percentage chance of you contracting the disease or passing it on to someone else. Um, so, you know, I guess just think about the vulnerable people in your family. Think about the fact that those people exist everywhere where you are now. And that every time you're able to cut out a little bit of you know outside time or cut out an unnecessary social meeting or trip um you are just you know reducing the risk for those people Mm -hmm. and now if you are someone whose political views you would say if you say that your political views align with you know helping the most vulnerable in society now's a real time to vote with your feet and you know let your actions speak for themselves and it's only temporary Mm -hmm. you know and we can make it as short a time period as possible if we all kind of pitch in and do our yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, now's not the time, unfortunately, to be thinking about our own interests. 
Right. You know. And really everyone has to commit to it. Like, we've had this discussion even in our house because there's five of us who live here. If one of us kind of goes against the measures we've been taking, then it kind of defeats the point of us doing it. But we all need to do our part. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see where this goes. I guess our plan now is just this summer. I mean, we're completing our coursework online. And then this summer, you'll be in Luxembourg, I guess, for at least the first part. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll be traveling later on, hopefully. I'd like to come back here once that's possible. Yeah. Um, You'll be here for the next few days and then you'll be in London mm-hmm. and then Manchester and then Manchester I'll be in Canada and the US yeah uh, very wow. uncertain times very uncertain times so the next podcast would probably be in September unless we find some way to do it at distance yeah we'll might work on that but yeah Any closing thoughts, guys? We'll miss you, Fatty. Well, I'll miss yeah. you guys, but, you know, let's not be too soppy. We'll be fine. <laughs> we'll yeah, develop mild right to now. moderate <laughs> symptoms at best. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be fine. If and I'm we sure get we'll it. be back yeah. if we get it. If we get it. But I think that if we were looking for an overarching me- me- message <laughs> to this one, <laughs> an overarching method. An overarching message for this podcast, although it's been quite meandering, I think what we wanted to say is just that, you know, now's really a time to sacrifice and, you know, stand up and be counted and do something for the greater good of society, no matter what your friends are doing or, you know, how you might be embarrassed at taking maybe slightly drastic measures and, you know, feeling left out. It's only temporary. Mm. and every time you do that like you say you're just reducing the risk to someone who's vulnerable or at risk and it's scary yeah. times for those people but also yeah. everyone to keep their heads up and to focus support on the other. good and to support each other and to maintain your relationships with others not get overwhelmed by the situation but just right. no take it one day at a time mm. and use this time to work or spend time with your family read mm-hmm. we've been cooking a lot watching a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to recording a podcast after this is over or the, this too. part the isolation part is over and just to kind of listen to this back yeah mm. peace love and wash your hands and moisturize. And moisturize. <laughs> moisturize for the love of God. Please protect your skin. <laughs> it's the only one you'll ever have. That's not true, actually. Shed your skin, don't you? A lot. That's what dust is. Dust is 70% skin. Anytime you ever run your finger along something. Okay, just okay. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, wash your hands, moisturize. Don't touch your face. Look after vulnerable people. Convince your grandparents to stay indoors. Mm hmm. Don't make unnecessary travel. Avoid unnecessary socialization. Make use of video calling. Reach out to people who you think might be feeling particularly lonely at this time. Take up that thing that you've always wanted to do but not had enough time to do or not 
you know if you're someone who generally likes being outdoors but there's an indoor pursuit which you feel like you don't commit enough time to go for that do a painting make a song write a song write a book make a film <laughs> do all of this do yes. all of this all of the above. I'm reading you out a checklist for the next few months we should check we have a bucket list on the fridge yeah for the gaff yeah we should see if we can complete that tonight <laughs> I think so far from my knowledge skydiving skydive host a good party I'm not sure if it's going to be possible what else <laughs> I'm not sure there are some other things cook a gourmet meal we checked off the kombucha was one the kombucha was one have a successful kombucha batch yet to be completed mm-hmm. okay but no for real use the time I mean not even use the time wisely use the time unwisely there's probably going to be quite a lot of it just do something and get in touch with your childish Meditate. creative self you know I think that if one thing can come out of this crisis is that I think there's going to be a lot of time for people to create quite good quite well emotionally charged art give it a go if you've never had a go at it I don't think I've really had a go at art but I might have a go at it collaging you've had a fair yeah it's not really art is it? it's collaging it's just taking other people's art and arranging it in a way that I find no, visually pleasing. Really like we're going to have to take down What's... the collage in yeah. the living room. Mm. That's going to be sad. Yeah, tomorrow's all packing. What's, What's the Instagram handle? For what? Stories of the Street. Stories OTS. At Stories OTS. Mm-hmm. And in the, po- the post that goes with this podcast, we'll do a photo of the... Um, beautiful collage that we made in our front room yeah which we're gonna tear down tomorrow yeah it could never be recreated because it's individually each piece is stuck to the wall yeah there's a there's a there's some sort of poetic meaning in there somewhere if anyone wants to find it I don't know (laughs) well should we sign off yeah been fun guys enjoyed it I'm glad we finally did this yeah true really cry really go on tears sell no oh, no no wait they're coming no so she's crying oh and she can't even get the tissue she's using her <laughs> lovely extremely soft new cashmere jumper where'd you get it in Portland. thrift store in Portland thrift store in Portland you can't hear the tears oh and Kelly's going now as well <laughs> it's only me <laughs> Just the heartless bastard sat here <laughs> commentating on your tears. Well, I'm going to take the liberty of um, wrapping this one up. I'm sure you can hear the girls sort of whimpering in the background. No. Um, but yeah, stay safe, wash your hands. Well, I'm going to say stay safe, moisturise and wash your hands. Um, and look after your family. Reach out to loved ones on the line don't make unnecessary journeys stay mindful stay positive stay <laughs> so it so many orders <laughs> and remember this is only temporary au revoir bye